You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. If you struggle to take consistent action towards your vision and your goals, please know that this is not a moral failing. It's actually a symptom of overwhelm and a very natural response to stress. In last week's episode, I outlined how the role of the yoga teacher has changed and really expanded over the past decade. This week, I'm doing a deep dive into one aspect of a solution to support us. Today's episode is basically a mini training all about accountability. Actually, it literally is a mini training. I originally recorded this while I was teaching it live on Facebook. And while I've edited out most of the live chatter, there's a few places where I reference the comment section or people who are here with me live. I wanted to mention that because I didn't want you thrown off in the middle of the episode and confused. Accountability is an incredibly valuable tool. And I think it's not as well understood as it could be. Or I think it's understood generally at a pretty surface and one-dimensional level. So I want to change that. I hope you enjoy this deep dive into the many dimensions of accountability. Today, I'm going to talk all about accountability. And this is a really, has been a really powerful topic in my own life. I'll share some stories from my life and from the lives of my clients. A couple of the things that I'm going to cover today is the two types of accountability and three subtypes, how to structure accountability so that it actually works, specifically so that you actually get the results you're looking for, and some best practices for creating a peer accountability group. Why do we need accountability? Like who needs accountability? And I would say really, to some degree, we all need accountability. But here's some ways that you can recognize whether or not this is an ingredient that's been lacking in your life. If you feel like you sometimes get in your own way of your success because you're not following through on the things that you say you're going to do, the promises that you make to yourself. So if you sometimes or regularly don't follow through on the promises you make to yourself, let me know in the chat. That's kind of a symptom number one. (laughs) If you find yourself wasting time, let's say on social media or other tasks that aren't in alignment with your values, and specifically to the degree that you miss deadlines or you are constantly doing things at the last minute or the quality of your work suffers. Now, I want to just be really upfront. Like I am not a proponent of perfectionism in any way. So I think it's totally awesome to, to waste a little bit of time in your life, (laughs) but there does come a point where it is not serving you and you know that it is holding you back. Uh, Symptom number three, if you find yourself complaining frequently about other people or situations that are holding you back from achieving your goals. Now, there may be truth that other people or situations in your life are holding you back from your goals, but 
a lot of times those, those are things you cannot do anything about. If we are focusing on the things that we can't control, what it means is we're not focusing on the things we can control. And that's going to probably put us into a cycle of not taking action, not doing the work because it drags us down, right? If we feel helpless and we feel hopeless, we're much less likely to uh, take inspired action or even take imperfect action <laughs> either way. Four, symptom number four is, do you notice yourself being jealous of other yoga teachers and maybe thinking to yourself something like, I'm just as good a teacher as they are. Why are they more successful? A little note about jealousy. I Jealousy has been such an interesting journey for me to, to kind of learn and understand. But the teaching, and I don't remember where I, where I learned this, so I, I apologize for not being able to give credit. But jealousy is about your own unfulfilled potential. There was this real light bulb that went off in my head. And I started to be able to transform my relationship to this very icky feeling of jealousy or envy that we're actually not generally jealous or envious of people who are completely different from us, have com a completely different set of skills than us. We're jealous of the people who are expressing our own unfulfilled potential. So what that means is that when you experience jealousy or envy, it's generally like that could be me, this feeling of that could be me. And again, the discomfort of those feelings tends to cause us to turn away from them instead of turning towards them, which means that we miss the potential learning that can happen from looking at, well, why not then? Why not? I'm, I mean, I am only putting them here because I can relate to all of them, right? I have experienced every single one of these. I'll actually give you an example of the first one, the, the lack of follow through. I had the vision for the yoga teacher resource many, many years before I was able to create it into something useful, something that grew, that was like alive and vibrant. And, you know, because of the way that the internet has evolved, when I first tried to create the yoga teacher resource, it was as a blog. And I would put a ton of time and energy into really detailed and useful, I thought, blog posts. I mean, I still think, actually, I still think many of the blog posts I wrote back then were, were, were very helpful, but I couldn't get consistent with it. Like I would have a plan of I'm going to release a blog post every week or I'm going to release a blog post every month or whatever, whatever my plan was. And I just couldn't create consistency around it. And there, there was just no follow through. I had the vision. I had the intention. And it wasn't until I learned about accountability and it wasn't until I learned how to create structures around accountability that I was able to finally uh, create this resource, this, you know, almost living entity that not only helps people, but also provides me with a sense of fulfillment and purpose. So there's nothing wrong with anyone who experiences these your brain, our brains are designed for our survival first and foremost. And I'm going to talk a little bit later on about 
the neurobiology of accountability and the neurobiology of why we need accountability. Our brains evolved in a very different environment than we currently live in. And so for the environment that our brains evolved, the mechanisms for survival were very useful. And for the environment that we currently live in, the mechanisms for survival are not very adaptive. And so I'm going to get into more of that later. Before I do, I'm going to talk about like, well, what is accountability really? And here's my definition of accountability. I don't know if this is an official definition, but the way that I see accountability is that it is support structures for discipline, willpower, and self-control. And discipline, willpower, and self-control, these are terms that I would say are kind of out of fashion (laughs) in a way with good reason, because the way that they used to be described and thought about is like virtue. And either you have discipline, willpower, and self-control, and then you are a good and or slash virtuous person, or you lack these and that is a moral failing and there's something wrong with you. Now, discipline, willpower, and self-control basically describe three things. The ability to inhibit response, so to say no to something tempting. The ability to change your behavior when your circumstances change to stay in alignment with your overall goal, like a goal that you set ahead of time. And the ability to think about and predict future consequences of your actions. So For any of you who are interested in neurobiology, what does this bring up? Like, is there any instincts in you about where in the brain is discipline, willpower, and self-control happening? Let me just put it that that way. Where in the brain is willpower, discipline, and or self-control happening? Tell me in the chat if you have any ideas, and I'll come back to that in a moment. So... Let's talk first about the benefits of getting accountability, of creating structures for accountability, because there's a lot of them. And thinking about the benefits of what we're going to do is really important for inspiring the, the will or the desire. Number one, focus. We live in a totally distractible world, totally distractible environment. and and the most distractible piece of our environment is our our little devices that we spend so much time staring at. Uh, There's just so many options for where to go each moment that we stare at those devices. So focus is a precious resource and accountability brings our focus back to what we have decided is most important. Second benefit of accountability is action. That when we have structures for for accountability in place, we are much more likely to take small actions and small actions are what build on each other to create big changes, big shifts. To make big things happen is a matter of consistent small steps. The third benefit of accountability is creativity. And this may be a little bit counterintuitive, but 
when we are focused and when we are taking action, we are going to be engaging a much more creative part of our brain and we are going to uh, be inspired and we're going to have the right type of input, right? A, a more focused type of input versus like all this random input. And then the next benefit of accountability is celebration. <laughs> One of the things that I have learned and, and keep noticing about goal setting and about the way that we interface with, with our goals is that most people make goals that are way too big. Most people set these goals that are really far off. And because it's going to take a lot of work to get there, we get disheartened and we are much more likely to give up. Our brains need regular doses of celebration. And when we have accountability structures in place, I'll talk about some different structures later on, but this could be as simple as checking a checkbox off of your list. That's a mini, that's a mini celebration right there. But even better is when you have people involved in your accountability and those people are going to remind you to celebrate, right? Even though for ourselves, it can be hard to remember to celebrate. If we have people in our lives who we have designated as helping hold us accountable for things, they're going to be very excited when we, when we follow through because it's going to make them feel successful in their role as accountability provider. And they're going to be much, much better at helping us remember to celebrate. And then the final benefit of accountability is validation where again this is going to be strongest with the people structure with the the structures that I'm going to talk about later that involve other humans but they are going to validate our feelings they're going to validate that things are hard they're going to, and and they're going to validate that we're on the right path so these are just some of the many benefits of accountability. And that's why I am so passionate about this topic. And I want to share what I know with you today. So let's go back to that question about where in the brain does discipline happen? And Daniela said in the comments, prefrontal cortex, not sure really. You're absolutely right, Daniela. It happens in the prefrontal cortex. And if you know anything, if you've studied any neurobiology, you know, the prefrontal cortex, just frontal is right here. It is the newest part of the human brain. And it is, it's also called the neocortex, new. And it's very slow and resource intensive compared to the older parts of our brain, specifically what we're going to talk about today is the limbic system, which happens in the midbrain. And the limbic system um, is where emotions and reactions and habits and all types of behavior that isn't thought through happens. Okay. That's in the limbic system. So survival is really uh, connected to the limbic system. When we engage in survival behavior. It is the limbic system very, very quickly, faster than we can think, determining that there's some threat. And so this is where like somebody says something and before you've even had a chance, chance to process what they've said, you feel like heat, just like going down your body and you just feel yourself getting activated, right? Sometimes we call that trigger. That would be from the limbic system. 
or when you engage in habitual behavior and let's say you pick up your phone, you, you like you've told yourself, I'm going to meditate before I, I look at my phone and I'm going to meditate first. And you find yourself scrolling through your phone and you're like, wait a second. And that might be counterintuitive to think that, that that's happening in the limbic system, but I'll talk a little bit later about, about dopamine and why we might be picking picking up our phones and engaging in behavior like that as a misguided form of survival behavior. So knowing that discipline happens in the prefrontal cortex and a lot of our habits happen in the limbic system, I can't really point to it because it's right there in the middle. What you have to realize is that accountability is a way of helping you fight against your environment and your biology to support your ability to behave in a way that expresses discipline, willpower, and self-control. Specifically, discipline, willpower, and self-control is your ability to behave in alignment with your values, right? You decide you want something, you decide that uh, it's important to you, and then in order to get there, you have to take action consistently. Your, both your environment and your neurobiology is going to get in your way. This is just normal. This is just human. This is what it's like being a, in a human living in the modern world. And so more than ever, we need systems for accountability because the environment has changed so much, right? Our our neurobiology has not changed so much. I mean, there's some argument to that. You could, you could, <laughs> you could go down a rabbit hole there. But relatively, our environment has changed much more than our neurobiology has changed, and they have changed in ways that make discipline much harder and make accountability much more important. Okay, so now we know why. Let's talk about the types of accountability. There's two main types, and then there's some subtypes, and I'll, I'll go into, into more detail on each of them. But the two main types are internal and external. So one of the big misconceptions about accountability is that a lot of people think of accountability as only being external, right? So people in your life, mostly that's what we think of, is, is people in our lives holding us accountable. And there are other ways to create self-accountability through software, right? We Just as our environment has changed for the more challenging, we can also harness some of that using software. Like your calendar, for example, could be a form of external accountability. But if your internal accountability is not in place, then the external accountability is not going to work because the limbic system, your survival mechanisms, your survival instincts are so strong that unless you really, really are deeply connected to why you want to create something, why you want to do something, no amount of external accountability is going to work. And, and you can kind of look at this, think about schools. Think about how there are some kids who have some internal motivation and they have some reason internally that they want to do well in school. And you have other kids who, like, they say they want to, 
and and you can provide every form of external accountability possible and they will slide around them not maliciously not on purpose but they just don't have the internal drive to overcome the challenges that we all face when it comes to when it comes to taking action so there's three things we need to have in place before in order to create internal accountability and before any accountability before any of the external accountability is going to be effective three things one you need a bigger why that is in alignment with your values. So you need to have a sense of purpose. And the sense of purpose, the more specific you can make it and the more connected it can be to your deeply held beliefs, the more powerful it's gonna be at generating that internal accountability. The next one is maybe a bit counterintuitive and I think this is the ingredient that is most missed when it, when we're talking about accountability and that is self-compassion our tendency as humans and i don't maybe i don't even know if it's our tendency or if it's a cultural thing or what but we tend to look outside of ourselves for compassion and so what happens is we become very <laughs> we interact with other humans our communication is imperfect and we experience judgment from them. Whether they mean to judge us or not doesn't even really matter here. The point is that we then go into these limbic system flares and they can take us off in multiple directions, just completely derail us. So the the balm, the medicine for this is self-compassion to interrupt those surges of neurotransmitter activity that are really uncomfortable and that cause us to behave in ways that are not in alignment with what we have decided we wanted. If we can notice those, know what they are, and soothe ourselves with self-compassion, we are much, much less likely to go down those rabbit holes of distracting ourselves, of procrastination, of whatever it is that is kind of holding you back, okay? So when you have this bigger why in place, the self-compassion, and then one more thing I'm gonna add here. Again, this is another thing that I think is not, has led to an incomplete picture of an understanding of discipline, willpower, self-control, all of these words kind of describe the same thing is adequate dopamine levels. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter that creates the sense of desire for something outside yourself. It is really important to have adequate levels in your body. And yet a lot of the ways that we seek to supplement dopamine in our lives deplete our dopamine levels. When we look at social media and we scroll through, we're getting a small hit of dopamine. So we are supplementing potentially inadequate dopamine levels in our brain by looking at social media. However, ultimately, it doesn't 
increase the amount your body makes. So you become basically addicted to it. By contrast, exercise, vigorous, vigorous exercise will raise your dopamine levels and improve your ability, your body's ability to create more on its own. So I think that this is a, an underappreciated aspect of motivation of that internal drive, because remember, dopamine is what is, is, as far as we know, right, science is incomplete, and I'm sure that we'll continue to learn about all this stuff, but as far as we know now, dopamine is what causes us to desire things. And we think of it as like, oh, like I desire a TV, I desire a coffee, whatever, but no, it's not just that, it's also, I desire to make a difference in the world. That is dopamine. And if you don't have enough in your body, or if you don't have, if your body doesn't have the ability to create enough on its own, then you're going to struggle with follow through because you're not going to care enough. You're not going to want it enough. So if this is kind of sparking something for you, consider this might be something to explore with a healthcare practitioner. You could certainly do a lot of some, some research on your own and, and learn about dopamine, learn about neurobiology and see if there are some behavioral changes or supplements you can take to help your body have a more balanced level of dopamine. Knowing that the internal motivation is key, that if you do not have it in place, the rest of this isn't going to work. Let's move on to external accountability. Just a couple of structures for internal accountability, because I know it's like, okay, I've given you all this information. What do you actually do? One is have a practice of checking in regularly with your values and have a practice of goal setting that deliberately connects your goals to your values. If we create goals because they seem good, from the outside, they just sound good, but they don't actually connect with something that we care about, then I think we're much less likely to follow through. And then the next structure for internal accountability that I highly, highly recommend is to, at least for a while, work on self-compassion as a practice. This has been something that I've been working with lately. It's been kind of one of the, whew, there's always more layers, right? You know, you, you, this is why we love yoga is it's, an opportunity for introspection that keeps uncovering more layers of, of potential, of possibility, of, of ourselves. So for me, I, was, I, I think of a yoga practice as having two layers. There's the structure, like a daily practice, where perhaps in the morning you check in and you say, is there anything that I need self-compassion about right now? Is there anything that I have done or felt or experienced in the last day that I, I'm not resolved with. I think of it a little bit like parenting myself, you know, because when you're, when you're little and you run and you fall and you scrape your knee, assuming that you have a, a parent who is, who is functional, you'll have someone who gathers you up and who holds you and rocks you and says, oh yes, oh my love, oh my love. And as we grow up, Maybe we still have somebody in our lives to do that, but we really need to learn to do it for ourselves. And I'm going to cry a little bit here because one of the, one of the patterns that I notice about myself is I don't like to be comforted when I cry. Like I did have a very functional mom and, and she was great with me. She's not around anymore. Maybe that's part of it, but 
I, I truly believe that as I learn to provide more self-compassion, that I will be more open to receiving compassion from others. So you may not have the exact same pattern as I do, but if you think that that this is part of what's holding you back is that there's these negative stories, this self-judgment that gets in the way, like, oh, if I can't do it perfectly, I'm not gonna do it at all. Oh, I'm this way or that way, instead of like, no, this is my, my neurobiology and my environment is getting in my way and I can figure this out. So there's those two pieces. There's the, the practice, that is more a formal practice. And then the idea is that you take that into your day, that it's not just like, you know, isolated to a certain moment of your morning, but instead that ideally you, you get into an interaction with somebody and you notice the, <laughs> the heat or the ice or whatever it is that, that signals discomfort and you, and you go, Ooh, I need some self-compassion. And maybe you excuse yourself or maybe you can do it eventually. I don't know. I'm not, I don't think I'm really quite here there yet, but maybe eventually you can just do it in that moment. Just be like, yeah, yeah. You experience that. Yeah. It's okay. And that is what makes us more functional humans. That is what makes us able to appreciate and take advantage of external accountability which as promised, I'm going to start moving into now. So external accountability, three main subtypes. There's your environment, there's people, and then there's systems. Your environment would be things like, how often are you interrupted throughout your day? Are, do you work generally in a space where you're alone and can have the ability to focus deeply? Or are you constantly being asked questions? Are you constantly being disturbed? What do you see around you? Is your environment like cluttered or is it created to purposefully bring certain things to mind and support you in your vision, support you in what you want to do? I'm very grateful to have right now this, this office. I'm generally alone in the house. I work best when I'm completely alone in the house. Last year, I had my daughter had a pod here, and so there was a lot more interruptions. So that's an example of, of your environment. People, this is what we usually think of when we think about accountability. And there's three main types of ways, three main roles people can play when it comes to accountability. It's a bit hierarchical. Yeah, I think that's that's the that's the most useful way of visualizing it that you can have accountability from people. They're not below you as humans, but they are your employees or your contractors or basically you are you have leadership over them. Then you can have accountability from people who are peers, meaning that it's a very horizontal experience. You probably are in the same industry, have similar visions, have similar levels of experience. Those are going to be the most useful peer accountability. And then you have mentors who hold you accountable. And your mentors, they could be somebody, it could be like, let's say you teach at a studio and your studio owner or manager could be a bit in that mentor role. I've definitely had that in my life multiple times. Uh, could be also somebody that you hire to be a mentor. 
or somebody who just naturally takes on that role. And each of these is really useful. Each of these types is useful in its own way. The employee is really helpful because you are paying them to hold you accountable. That's really powerful, actually, that it's part of their job. So there is going to be, as long as it's a good fit, there's a understanding, a mutual understanding of the role. And they're going to, again, providing it's a good fit, they're going to live up to that really well. Whereas like a peer or a mentor, a lot of times people will like flow in and out of those roles. And for a period of time, it will be useful. And then a period of time, it won't. And that could happen certainly with an employee as well. But again, with if you find the right fit, it can be a quite a long-term and very sustainable relationship. With peers, of course, this could also be long-term and sustainable, but you may have to go through more trial and error to find the right people because you really want people who have complementary skill sets, but enough of an understanding of your business and your business structure that they're not either always suggesting something in left field or only suggesting things you already knew or just kind of missing the point. And then finally, the mentors, the great thing about the mentors is that they have kind of been where you are and they can see a bigger picture. I think that is really the biggest role of the mentor is to be able to help you zoom out and then focus back on, no, 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 this is what's important now. You're, you're, you're getting ahead of yourself. You're getting distracted. Go back here. So those are the three ways that people can really be instrumental in accountability. I will say that inside the Impact Club, we provide both peer and mentorship accountability. We have structures for helping members, Impact Club members create accountability partnerships and or pods. And they have been extremely helpful for a lot of people. And the mentorship, now that happens to different degrees, okay? Because there's some people who participate in the Impact Club just a little bit, and they can get a little bit of mentorship from me. But there are other people who show up at pretty much every event, and I get to know their business really well. And so I'm able to provide a much better type of leadership. So really with the Impact Club, it's like the more you participate, the more you'll get back out of it. And that's totally fine, right? Like sometimes you need more, sometimes you have the bandwidth for more or less. It's really cool to see the people who are really taking advantage of the this, this beautiful community and to see how how it works when like when you contribute to it, when you show up, then it's not like the universe shows up for you, but you allow yourself to be supported when you show up. So let's talk really briefly about best practices for peer accountability groups. And this is going to describe a little bit what's inside the impact club, but you certainly don't have to be in the impact club to make something like this happen. What I'm talking about here sometimes is called a peer mastermind. And it's basically a small group, or it could even be a partnership of people who commit to showing up for each other and to holding each other accountable. The most important thing here and the most challenging is to find the right people. So you really do need to be open to trying a few groups. Like if it, if it doesn't work the first time, the first mastermind group that I started myself actually 
I didn't limit the industry. So we got people from a lot of different industries. And I was really like, I was just looking for people who are very committed. But people who say they're committed isn't the same because again, right, we've already kind of talked about why people who say they're committed is not the same thing as people who are able to take action on that commitment. So what ended up happening is that we had like people from a lot of certain people in the group ended up taking up a lot of the time and energy from everyone else. And the people who are a little bit further along didn't get as much out of it. Now, that is not to say that you have to match everyone in the group in levels of experience because some people have different gifts. So there's, there is a bit of alchemy that you can't necessarily predict or plan for. So you just have to try it out. One thing that's really great is to start with a partner, like start with finding the right one person. And then if two partnerships have already found each other and they found like, yeah, we're really compatible. We really show up for each other. And then you join together, then you have a group of four and that kind of broadens the horizons, broadens the perspective. That's how we run it in the impact club. So when you join the impact club and you're looking for an accountability partner, we advise you first to find an accountability pod. We advise you first to find a partner and then to join into a pod. And that's not the only way to do it. That's not like sometimes it ends up that there's three people in a pod. That's totally fine. I wouldn't go above six because when you have meetings, you want there to be some sense of everybody having the chance to be heard. I really like four, actually. That's my favorite. Definitely, I recommend meeting regularly, not to have to think too much about like scheduling meetings, but to just to set a regular time and to have a clear structure to follow. So that it's not just sort of like everybody shows up like, what do we want to talk about today? We do provide a lot more guidance inside the Impact Club on how to do this. We have a whole downloaded document with a checklist. And I also have a like a full one or two, one and a half, two hour training on how to create a peer mastermind group inside the Impact Club. Also highly recommend setting up ways to check in and connect regularly outside of meetings. I really like the app Voxer, V-O-X-E-R. The reason I like Voxer, even though it can be a little glitchy, is one, it's free. And two, you can have voice chats in the same thread as text chats. So for example, somebody would be talking and when you're trying to talk through something rather complicated, it's much easier to just talk it out than to try to type it out. That can be like I feel like our perfectionist gets too much online when we're trying to type because we can go back and edit. But when you're just talking, you just talk it out. And then somebody can actually respond to you while you're still talking in the chat using, you know, like a quick chat response. So that's what I like. So those are sort of my top tips for creating a peer accountability group. And the third type of external accountability that I want to mention briefly is systems. Systems include like project management software, your calendar, and even rituals and routines are systems. So for example, if you have a ritual of every morning checking in with your values and practicing self-compassion, that's going to set you up for the day. That's going to focus your mind and remind you of what you're working on versus like just you know, you just start the day and you just go <laughs> and you just like start task oriented. Calendars are great. Calendars with alerts. 
Also project management software, such as I use, my team and I use Asana, which is a great project management software that does a really awesome job of tapping into dopamine, like kind of the desire for dopamine, because when you accomplish a certain number of tasks, a rainbow or a unicorn will like flash across your screen in celebration. <laughs> and I know it might sound a bit silly, but it's really rewarding. It, it, it feels really fantastic. And it's just a little trick, right? It's just one, one little layer. It's not going to fix if you don't have your internal motivation in place. If you don't have your internal accountability in place, it's not going to fix things, but it's a nice added benefit. Haley, she's my main support inside the Good Teacher Resource and the Impact Club. She's the community manager for the Impact Club. She did a training on using Asana, the project management software inside the Impact Club that is available for all members. And Asana is also free. So that's a nice little bonus. Okay. So I think that covers everything that I wanted to talk about in this training. The different accountability structures that that we have inside the Impact Club. So I'm, I think I mentioned most of these, but I'll go through them really quickly. We have the values-based quarterly planning sessions. We have mentorship. And the more regularly you participate, the stronger the mentorship component, because I'll get to know your business, your situation. I'll get to know what you're working on. We support you in creating accountability groups and accountability partnerships inside the Impact Club. And we have trainings that on the project management software, we have trainings on email management, we have trainings on accountability groups, and a whole lot more. Basically, all the content inside the Impact Club is curated and created with this neurobiology in mind that I shared with you before, this sort of fight between your limbic system and your prefrontal cortex. And so we are here just to aid on the side of the executive function and fulfilling your potential as a human or, or moving in the direction of your potential as a human. And in addition to the structures that we already talked about, there are trainings inside the Impact Club, live trainings, both on teaching and on business. There are, like I said, group coaching sessions that you know, part of it is that accountability, but part of it is my ability to respond to your needs and to give you information in real time as you are needing it. That's the basic gist of the Impact Club. It's a lot, honestly, and you don't have to participate in everything to get value from it. Even just having that library of trainings so that when you have a need or a desire and you like all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I need to figure out how to use this task management software and you go there and it's just waiting for you. That's, that's awesome all by itself. We have really the best community, the most supportive community that I've ever been a part of. I'm just absolutely blown away by the way that Impact Club members support each other. And that's really what makes me feel so good about being a part of it. And I almost feel like I'm the leader, but I'm the follower at the same time, because I'm always paying attention to what current members are saying and asking for and needing. And that's really like, I follow, <laughs> I follow your lead to decide where to go and, and what to create next. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you to the current impact club members for making it's such a fantastic community. 
thank you again for joining me and thank you for caring enough to teach yoga.